Welcome to Escape This Podcast, a show that's a mix between tabletop role-playing and escape room puzzles. We are on Chapter 8 of Chronomaly. We found Greg. You're getting there. Yeah, right? This is very exciting. I am excited to see where this story goes because people don't believe me when I say this, but I have no idea what's coming next. Danny doesn't tell me anything. No spoilers. Even when I playtest these rooms, Danny doesn't give me the framing of the room, so I still don't really know the story. Every episode, we have guests come on and play through an escape room that Danny has created and designed, but not built, because we're not made of money. So we just design the rooms and we play them uh, like a tabletop role-playing D&D point-and-click adventure style game. This episode, our guests are Aaron Kian and Lee Davis-Thalborn from Passive Volpes Productions. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Uh, so... I know, I know you because you're, you're, you're very big kind of players in the Australian indie podcast scene. Do you want to give a rundown of what Passive Volpes Productions is and what you do? Yeah, so Passive Volpes Productions is just our studio name. We produce uh, fiction podcasts, um, specifically audio drama style podcasts rather than just storytelling. So we have a few different ones at the moment, but we tend to mostly create uh, LGBTQ content um, and we have a heavy focus on diversity in our shows and our productions. And we've also been really passionate about trying to build a fiction podcast community in Australia because it's a very, very new genre um, mm. <laughs> in Australian podcasting. Mm. But it's growing, finally. <laughs> Excellent. It's nice to be oh, able to like, see people going, hey, guess what? You're doing stuff we're doing. That's great. Yeah. It is nice. I think on a few Facebook groups that you've built in yeah. that thing. So it's really nice to see people kind of talking and sharing and uh, it is it is very good. That is indeed how more. we found you. Yes. Was oh, just by skulking around looking for the fiction shows in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're kind of, we always, I've always found it really hard oh, to yeah. escape are, this podcast to know fiction? who. Are we fiction? Are we not? Are, are we, we an actual play podcast? Are, are we, we a scripted? puzzle show? Are we, like, I don't know. We're just kind of a show. Don't worry about it. <laughs> You know? I mean, we count actual plays as fiction. We get basically like we have the broadest definition of fiction possible because a that's just more interesting, and b <laughs> we can collect a much bigger group of people if we have a broader definition. That yes. is nice when you put it that way because yeah, we feel like we're in the smallest possible pigeonhole. So when people say, "Hey, I'm looking for a podcast that's kind of like this one or that fits this category," and I go, "Oh, would we fit that?" <laughs> no, <not>. Who knows? <laughs> Actually, one thing I should do, because I'm very bad at this, and I realised this, this is something I need to work on. We have two guests, and for people at home who cannot see this, That's a good you point. don't know who is who. Oh, yeah. So, I'm Erin yes. Kian. Uh, Hello. And I'm Lee Davis Thalborn. Hi. And now you have the voice to match the name, <laughs> and maybe I'll have edited that in earlier, or maybe it will sit right here. I'm not sure. But either way. Either way, it's in a fun adventure. We're all on together. <laughs> all right. Uh, so when we start this show, we always have a few questions that we ask. Uh, and the question to start with is, what is your escape room experience? Okay, well, I have listened to your show a few times, mostly the earlier episodes. Um, and I've also actually gone to a couple of actual escape rooms, like actual physical escape rooms. And mm. Nice. Mo mostly, in mostly Melbourne? In, in Melbourne, uh, mostly with work, with work friends, which is, well, it, it can be fun. It can be fun. <laughs> <laughs> My night out of two wasn't bad. And I have exactly zero experience with escape rooms. I have never done an escape room. I have never even played one of those mobile escape room games. 
Uh, my <laughs> entire exposure to escape rooms is I have listened to a few episodes of this podcast. That's it. So if everything goes wrong, it's probably my fault. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. You'll do great. <laughs> everyone knows. Look, everyone, everyone who runs escape rooms know that the people who are like real escape room fans aren't the actual audience of escape rooms. It's all first timers. Yeah. So well, that's, re- we'll just be the same. Well, well, really, if you if you're going to the same escape room twice, that's kind of cheating. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's a good point. I hadn't thought of that, but yeah. <laughs> so everyone's always a first timer of some of some yeah. kind. Yes. And then the other aspect of this show is this is escape rooms kind of meeting tabletop role playing. So what is your tabletop role playing experience? I've done, I've played like three or four tabletop games my entire life. Um, all very like weird systems because I don't like dice. Um, I'm not super experienced. Most of my table, <laughs> yeah, I know it's sacrilege, you? but I just don't like numbers. <laughs> um, but. Uh, most of my tabletop experience has been watching Lee, who is much more experienced. Yes, um, I, I'm i not sure if I was on the committee of the Monash University role-playing club, but I was <laughs> friends with all of them. You were uh, a member. I, I am a member, or was a member, um, and I have an entire, um, I have an entire file in my f- computer, like, just full of all the role-playing books that I bought thinking I'm ever going to play again. We have an entire, oh, yeah. like, shelf of books somewhere yeah 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 so you're more playing or dming i'd like to play i really would (laughs) lee is often lee falls into that thing where lee dms more than he plays because no one else is dming the systems he wants to play yep (laughs) (laughs) oh lovely uh all right well we should get into the game. I guess so. Yeah, we don't have time it. to waste. All these people listen to our show thinking like, oh, look, how long is this intro going to yeah, take? Yeah, for what it's worth, our pre-recording uh, chat was 24 minutes. This has been eight minutes since then. <laughs> so I think we're fine. All right, good. Uh, well, I, 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 are you ready to go? Yeah, let's do it. I want to save the world or whatever. Pen and paper right. at the ready. Let's, uh, first off, I... Uh, if you haven't done an escape room before, Aaron. Never. Sorry about this one. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Not, I'm not too normal. I'm doing my duty helping you evolve your skills as game master for Appreciate idiots it. like me. <laughs> All right. Let, let's see who comes out of this crime first. <laughs> so, you two, well, look, let's be honest. You're really more the literature people than the science ones. You do take chemistry as one of your subjects, but only because you heard that there was something in the curriculum called flame tests and you thought that sounded awesome. But Doc Bill, the physics teacher, asking you to join his class on some special assignment? Yeah, that that's crazy. He only knows you because you guys live on the same street. But he really sounded like he needed the help, so you go. In his private laboratory, surrounded by the physics kids who you suppose are now your temporary classmates, you awkwardly stand and wait for some kind of explanation of what's going on. However, Doc Bill doesn't seem in the mood for clear, articulate explanations. His face is alive with adrenaline and he can barely stay still. It's it's like this. He's gesticulating with every word. My assistant, Greg, has been leaping across time, changing things wherever he goes. I almost regret giving my time machine so much power. Greg has been eluding us despite all our efforts to stop him, but no longer. It appears our last recruits, he points at Gabe and Olivia, ended up close enough to where he's hiding for my computer to catch him. 
It guarantees that if we follow these directions, they will lead you to Greg. He's in 1937, in New Jersey. Well, in might be a strong word for it. More like uh, over. It's, well, you're going on the Hindenburg. Ugh. They tell us that we literature kids are dramatic. And then there's this guy. <sighs> yeah, you <sighs> never have these problems in English class. <sighs> Doc Bill ushers you into what you now know is a time machine. Here, take these watches. They'll bring you back. Oh, but they're Find... so ugly. Do we have to? I don't mind. I quite like this one. Oh. Find Greg. He's a tall, scruffy boy, about eight years older than you. And try not to, you know, Hindenburg. Yeah. yeah. The time machine hums to life and suddenly you are barreling through a vortex. Feels pretty cool. It's kind of rollercoaster-like. Until a horrible clanking noise surrounds you. Oh, no. This sounds wrong, like something has malfunctioned. It only well, lasts a moment. Good. Then your feet hit the ground. Oh, you, you've arrived on board the Hindenburg. Uh, except the two of you are not together. I have a question. Yes. And this I probably should have done in our intros. <laughs> I am a wheelchair user outside the house. Ah. Am I one in this story or not? <laughs> question. I think it's up to you. Yeah. I don't think it's going to affect your ability to do anything within this. Look, my I concern is... I'll chill. My concern is I'm a power chair user and the technology might be a bit oh, weird. Oh, might freak someone out. <laughs> my, my more concern would be bringing an electric wheelchair onto the Hindenburg. <laughs> <laughs> we can make this work. All I will say is for space reasons yeah, and for stair existence reasons, let's make you player two. <laughs> All right, good. Yeah. <laughs> so... Aaron, you find yourself in some huge back-end part of the airship where it's clear that passengers are not supposed to go. Mm. There are large windows lining the sides, but they certainly are not open. All sides? Basically, your left and your right. Just yeah. yeah, the two sides. To your upper left against the wall, there is a door, helpfully labelled in English, luggage. So that's kind of got to chunk into your windows that you've drawn. Luggage. All right. To the lower left are two more doors, kitchen and engineer's booth. And to the right, whew, uh, there are five enormous metal containers, each one bigger than you by a large margin, attached high on the wall. You think they're gas canisters or cells or something. Whatever holds the blimp gas. <laughs> the blimp gas. The blimp gas. And also, for some reason, right in the middle of this area is a bicycle. <laughs> All right. That's not wheelchair compliant at nope. all. That's true. All right, so that's all of interest that you see, player two. <laughs> now we get to move on to player one in the totally different room of this airship. All right, what do I see? Well, you are clearly in the cockpit, or, uh, well, for these, it's actually more known as a control gondola. Large <laughs> windows also line the sides of this room, but beneath them, there are endless seeming button panels. Over underneath some of the windows on the right, you see a wheel with the word elevator labelled on it. In the middle of the room, you see a large chair along with a table with a phone and radio sitting on it. Yep. Up the back is a small flight of stairs going up. And 
on the wall behind them, there's a funny looking device. Is that a pneumatic tube? You have not seen one of those in real life. Oh, a pneumo. I love a pneumo. <laughs> and uh, at the front of the gondola, there are three uniformed men, clearly pilots, who have all just watched you appear out of nowhere. Uh, and all three of them faint. They just faint <laughs> dead away. Oh, okay. Come on, c- come on. Surely you've seen weirder things than this. <laughs> well, yeah. Here's the thing. Knowing what you know about the Hindenburg. Oh, uh, yeah. Mm. This probably isn't great. And look, even though you're not exactly an experienced airship flyer, you can tell by the look and the feel, this thing is now going way too fast much faster than it is supposed to be doing. And you do recall that the Hindenburg had some erratic flying patterns right before its fiery inferno of a crash. Oh, God. And nobody 100% knows what caused all of this yet. Plenty of theories, some more likely than others, but it's still not 100% certainty. You kind of hope that it's not you that's responsible. It's me, isn't it? (laughs) Look, forget about this finding Greg business for now. If you don't want this thing to crash and maybe crash even quicker than it does in your reality, you'd better find a way to slow this thing down right now. All right. First up, let's um, let's search the unconscious bodies. So basically what like the the various pilots. So Mm -hmm. who who actually has like the control wheel of these three? It was hard to tell. They, as far as you could, you just appeared and they were all looking at you. Maybe they were taking a smoke break or something at the moment, at the time. <laughs> That's so dangerous. But, <laughs> but you give them all a bit of a search and you don't find anything that seems to be an obvious clue. You feel like they may just be there as a narrative device. <laughs> okay, so tell me more about these control panels lining everywhere. All right, so it's all rather intimidating and yep. not as well labeled as you'd like. In fact, there's only one section that's And of course got it's all some... labeled in German. <laughs> well, actually, very nicely, let's go with the uh, current aviation laws of things tend to get done in English. <laughs> sure. Plus, they were flying to America. You never know who was on board. <laughs> but either way, there's one section that is labeled, again, still not wonderful, and the label is a bit all over the place. It doesn't really specify what matches what. Now, this is an image that's going to be sent to you. Yep. You will see the words, things like gas containment release, internal, external, vacuum pressure change, fuel drop, all that sort of things. You think that if you mess with these in the wrong way, things might get very bad, especially that gas thing. That sounds extra very bad. So I would be very, very careful with these buttons and levers that you're seeing. And for people at home, if you want to see that image, it is linked in the show notes below. uh, So you can check it out there. So we have a bunch of bunch of circles. I'm guessing that's some kind of grill. We have (laughs) looks like one gauge that goes from zero to five. And it looks like we have one of those wonderful little like um, throttle sticks. So the things I think are a grill are all a set of buttons, I'm guessing. Yes. Considering that the dirigible is going way too fast, I am guessing that the five to zero mark is probably acceleration. Am I allowed to help and discuss, or should I stay quiet? You are welcome to, out of character, have some discussions. You will, in character, be able to participate. In fact, you can interrupt and have your character do stuff whenever as well. Yeah, feel free to jump back to the back of the the, the back of the ship whenever you want to. Uh, Okay, can I ask some questions then about the room I'm in? Yeah. So what's at the other two walls? 
in this big room because we've got the windows and doors and the canisters but what's at the like short ends of this room presumably one of them would be an exit to actual normal part of place mm-hmm. but i have just omitted unnecessary doors let's okay. call it impossible impossible to unlock doors okay <laughs> that works and the other end is just a void of darkness oh no <laughs> Um, no wonder the Hiddenberg crashed. <laughs> and there's literally nothing else in here, just the canisters and the bike? Yeah. Yeah, nothing else. And the doors. And Does, the doors. Feel free to and look the around and, the windows. and see what happens. Does the bike have any kind of like basket or saddlebags or anything on it? So you take a look at the front of it. You have no idea why it's here. And it's also, so this bicycle, it's fixed to the floor with screws. So it's not like it's some passenger's bike that needed to be put here for storage. Um, when you look at the front of it, where you would normally expect a light or a basket, there is something attached. It's a speaker with a little antenna sticking out of it. Are there any buttons near it or anything interactable? No. Okay. Very firmly attached to the bicycle, but beyond that, Does the bicycle still have pedals? Yes. Yes, it does. Can I, like, spin the pedals a bit and see if anything happens? Yeah, you give them a rotate and... The thing at the front of it starts making a little bit of noise. It seems like it's activated by it. It's, it's pedal powered. Mm. So you spin those pedals fast enough to get it crackling to life properly. It has to go really fast to get it sounding right. But eventually you hear a voice coming through it. It's a very polished radio American voice. Craft uh, LZ129, your angle is bringing you in for a hazardous landing. Please pull up immediately. Repeat, pull up immediately. Angle is hazardous. Elevate now. Oh, um, can I just kind of yell at it? Hello, can you hear me? You get no response. It seems to be a one-way speaker. Okay, good. So I spend the next 10 seconds swearing profusely. Yep, that's um, fair. <laughs> okay. I don't really know much about how bikes work, so I'm just going to ask a stupid question. Can I push mm-hmm. the pedals in the opposite direction? You can, but the that makes the sound cut out. It doesn't have any okay. cool effect. It doesn't effect. do anything. Speaker starts playing backwards. <laughs> <laughs> Satan is in charge of the Hindenburg. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. We're discovering cool. a whole new range of conspiracy theories. <laughs> I am not sure what else to do with that. Do you want to go back to you, Lee? Are you, or are you... Um, what are you sure. doing? That's all right. I think I have a slight plan. Um, so I guess first up, so you said there was a phone and a radio on the chair. Are either of those functioning? So first of all, radio, because it's mm-hmm. quicker. You switch yep. on the radio to see if it's working. No sound comes out. That's disappointing. Awkward. As for the phone, it's old, but yeah, you're, you're no baby Zoomer. You can get how this rotary thing works, and it seems to be working. All you need now is someone to call. Yes, ha- having having a phone directory would probably be much more useful at this point, I guess. I'm going to go for a Hail Mary and dial 911. <laughs> it does not seem to have any effect, you suppose. It's probably an internal phone rather yeah. than something that's actually attached to the outside world. L- look, you know, you had to give it a shot anyway. Of course. Can I just say that um, I've been sitting over here enjoying this as a snapshot of our relationship. Uh, for your listeners that don't know us, Lee and I are in a relationship. We've been together for 13 years. And... It is very in character for you as a person that at no point so far have you looked for a manual or any kind of paperwork <laughs> in this cockpit. Well, <laughs> well for one thing, it's going to be all be in German. <laughs> <laughs> and while I know a little bit of German, I don't know that much German. <laughs> German's just English with an accent. 
It's really not. (laughs) (laughs) Some of it is. (laughs) All right. So the stairs up, where do they go to? Hmm. This narrow staircase leads to a small circular manhole in the ceiling. It slides right open, and as soon as it does, a nasty sound hits your ears. You can't even describe it like with an easy simile for some other noise. It's like it's half a dozen noises at once, and they're all bad. Like The main thing that hits you is a roaring sound. But underneath that, there's sort of a whining going on. And then surrounding that, there's beeping, there's banging, there's scratching, there's humming. You enter the room and you just have to cover your ears immediately it's pretty tiny up here it must just be for minimalistic storage and all you find and seems to be the source of the noise there is one big electronic-y looking box it has six switches on top it looks it reminds you a bit of a soundboard that you might see at a radio station with an inbuilt speaker but good no radio station would play this. This is a mess. This is upsetting you. Well, let, let's do the obvious thing you do with the soundboard and wiggle, and wiggle the sliders as best we can. What happens? You flick around with the leftmost switch and, oh, it's, look, it's not perfect, but it's a little bit of relief. The scratchy part of this cacophony stops. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's nice. And you move across through them and the next one, Uh, It switches off the banging portion of it. Next one switches off the whining. Then the beeping, the humming, the roaring. And it's kind of nice. You're in silence now, apart from the horrible, horrible sound of the Hindenburg rushing to its doom. (laughs) In fact, that's actually, that's kind of an unnerving thing to think about on its own. So you you turn all of them back on just a a little bit. (laughs) It it was was nice to have a certain degree of focus for like three seconds. You you have control and that's all that's important. (laughs) All right, so back downstairs, back to our um, control panel. I guess the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to push the throttle down to the four position. You do that and you don't notice any change in anything. So a bit concerned that you might be messing with one of those things that you don't really want to be messing with. Yes, like I, yes, maybe I would you're have... releasing fuel or gas. Yes, you yes, put it... it back up to five for now. Yes, yes, I, I would have much preferred for something to actually happen. Yeah, um, but yeah, you didn't notice anything. All right, God, N- none of none of these are good. If I press the wrong, like, yeah. All right, so let's go. Let's go to the pneumo tube next. What's in the pneumo tube? Cool. So again, you don't have much experience with these in real life. Mm-hmm. Kind of cool. Uh, just for brief explanation of what pneumatic tubes are supposed to do. So long tubes using compressed air or vacuum power to send solid objects from one place to another. Pretty cool. If you have anything you need to send and somewhere to send it. You see that there's a pen sitting underneath this tube. So they must use this like as a quick mail service to another part of the airship. You test it out except for two problems. One, you don't have any paper. And two, there's a funny locking mechanism on the tube with a symbol and a directional keypad. It looks very much like a video game D-pad. Behind the symbol, you see that there are some tiny light bulbs, but there is no light shining from them. So we're going to send you an image of what this unlit pneumatic mechanism looks like. And again, for people at home, you can see that unlit pneumatic uh, lock in the show notes below. Okay, so let's press the D-pad in each of the directions. Anything happens? No. Okay, fair enough. 
All right, let's head to the elevator next. All right, so it wasn't an elevator exactly. It was just a wheel that was labeled elevator. Yeah. And clearly not how you would normally use the word elevator. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's a wheel that controls the elevation of the front of the airship, so the angle that you're flying at. Without messing around with it, because as far as you know, speed is the only problem here. Everything Mm -hmm. else is totally fine. Yep. You can see that this has two marked like gradations on the wheel. Mm-hmm. There's one set, little bit of it that's labeled soft pitch, 10 degrees, and another part a bit lower down that says hard pitch, 25 degrees. So soft pitch and hard pitch. Got it. All right. So we have, so we found many things, but not the one that's going to take to slow down, slow down the aircraft. Um, so un- I assume under the control panels, there's not anything of any note. I search around there. Correct. Yeah. All good. All right. So with the pneumo tube, is there any like obvious plugs or anything, or is it just the D-pad lock? Just that. That's all that's going to be important. It seems like as soon as you can get that open, it'll be fine and working. Hmm. All right. Do you want to think and bounce back to me yep, for a bit? Yeah, bounce back to you. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alright, I'm going to go rifle through the luggage first, so I would like to try the <laughs> luggage door. Well, you go and look at the luggage room door, and compared to the other doors that you saw, this one seems to be by far the thickest. It's built in a totally different way. And up close you can see, underneath the main sign that said luggage, there's a small message that says, Pressure lock engaged at 5 PSI. To reset, 30 seconds at 4.9, then to rest at 2. Oh my god, that's so many numbers. Hang on. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, great. So this door's pressure locked. That's why it's so crazy heavy duty and why you definitely cannot push or pull it open. Yeah. If you sort of, there's a bit that you can go around it and you actually, as you go around the wall to this luggage room, mm-hmm. hopefully that works in your diagram. It may not. It kind uh, of does. But, <laughs> cool. You actually find a tiny sliver of window that okay. looks inside it. Just large enough for maybe a hand to slip through, not much else. Yeah. You do indeed see there is a huge stack of luggage in there. And it just looks like regular old luggage? As far as you can tell, yeah. Interesting. I'm guessing that there's no obvious trails of like electronic wiring or anything that I can follow. Nah. So I can't see. They put all of that well out of sight. Well out of sight. Okay. Not that you're supposed to be here. No, but you know, <laughs> um, it was a very, it was a very aesthetic conscious designer who designed <laughs> the Hindenburg interior. Oh yeah. <laughs> Especially that bicycle. Especially that bicycle. Um, I can't read my own handwriting for one of the doors. <laughs> um, it says engineers something. Booth probably. Booth. Booth. That's I it. Hope. That is what it says. <laughs> um, yeah. Let's try that one next. All right, so you approach it and you're about to try the doorknob for it. You hear someone moving around in there. Okay, I knock. An exclamation of surprise comes from inside and the door swings open. There's a man standing there looking bewildered. There's a badge on his shirt. It says Linus. And he just looks baffled. And he goes, um, English? Yes, English. English. Hello. Oh, okay. Hi. Uh, look- Passengers are not supposed to be back here. Oh no! How did you even? Uh, no, uh, it's no, no, not not passenger. Um, uh, wizard. Um, what? <laughs> yes, I know. Look, it's very complicated. What? Uh, what are you? What are you doing in there? I, I'm the engineer. Uh, this is 
where I work. It's not for like this is far too dangerous for you to be wandering around through. Oh, look, um, look, I, I get, it. I, I understand, I understand. But have you seen this thing I'm riding in? Like, I know I'm, I'm good. I'm safe around machinery, my dude. Um, you know, like yeah, what the? Yeah, look, it's just it, look. As I said, I'm a wizard. It's very complicated. What sort of engineering work are you up to currently? Like, what's your current job? Like, what's your uh, immediate sort of work involved? Well, I mean, for the most part, I'm here just controlling, making sure that the ship is stable. Oh. I, uh, can I just say, mate? I don't think you're doing a real good job. Um, what we feel Why? Thing, things if feel a bit wrong. I'm unstable. supposed to get a warning. I mean, uh, I mean that's. I mean, I'm just gonna say. I mean, look, come out here. I found this weird speaker. Um, huh? I sort of invite him back. I'm like, yeah, no, come have a look at this. Uh-huh. Um, spin the pedals oh, on yep, the bike. Right, the emergency radio. Sure. Yep. Yeah. All right. He he listens to the message, and his eyes bulge, and he just goes. Oh no, that's oh that's not good. Um see the thing is I control things like the speed, the the pitch, the angle, that's controlled by the gondola up the front by the pilots. I don't have access to that. Oh, we need to Oh no. Um okay, there needs to be a way to get this message to them, but they they have a phone to contact me. Well, can you use that to contact them? No, I it's one way. There must be Oh, uh, wait, wait. The kitchen. The kitchen has a pneumatic. Um, oh, okay. Just gotta. All right, let's give uh, me a moment. Yes, yeah, use look, that. Calm, use that. calm down, mate. I'll go check it out. So I go try and go into the kitchen. Okay, uh, you don't know why quite why the kitchen is all the way back here. Maybe they have some elaborate conveyor belt system <laughs> to get meals where they need to be. Or just really big way. pneumatic tubes. Yeah. <laughs> the ultimate in lazy Susan design, German engineering. Either way, you can't hear any noise coming from inside. Maybe they have already eaten and closed up for the night, even though it doesn't seem to be that late. The door is locked. There is a keypad on it with letters that you can type in. So apparently there is a password needed. Oi, Linus, you do you know how to get in here? Oh, um, password. Yes, you're right. The chef did mention it to me. Oh, I'm having trouble remembering. Oh, give me some time to think. It must be all the stress. Well, where where were you when he told you? Oh, I mean, presumably I was here, but maybe it was on the ground before we left. No, no, try and honestly... try remember where you were. Okay, I will. Uh, he sits down <laughs> on the ground and closes his eyes and tries to think. It seems like oh, something must hopefully jog his memory, but... You you don't think that you're going to be the one to jog it right uh, now? All right. Um. So what does the keep what does the keypad look like? Oh. The keypad it just looks like a thing that you can type a certain number of letters into. So it has like a qwerty keyboard or something. Yeah, more yeah. or less. Uh, uh, why don't we jump back to the front of the ship and see yeah. how Lee's going? How you doing, Lee? Not great. Um, not great. <laughs> um. All right. So let's have a look at the windows. Um. What are the windows showing me? So they're large. Of course, they are locked. You can't see any sort of latch on them. So there must be some sort of mechanism keeping them shut, which is probably a good thing. You look outside and what you can see is bland landscape stretching on towards the thin line of the horizon over which the sun is just about to set. You are pretty sure that the Hindenburg crashed in the early evening. So you're not feeling great about that. No. And again, at the moment, you can definitely see you are going faster than you would hope. Mm -hmm. A dirigible wood. Is there anything like on the chair or the 
on the chair itself? There actually is. So the chair itself is normal, but sitting on it, sort of half concealed by the cushioning, is a thin book, Mm -hmm. almost manual-like. And it says, Willkommen auf LZ 129. And then underneath, helpefully, there is an English translation. It says, welcome aboard the LZ 129. About to say, I know that. <laughs> yeah, you could probably, that, that was totally fine. Yeah. Cool. Uh, you guess that's the model of the airship that the Excellent. Hindenburg is? Like, you yep. know, when you're on a plane, they'll say, oh, welcome to the A380. That sort of yes. thing. Excellent. So you take a look, you take a look at this manual and uh, it appears to be a guide to some of the workings of the tech used on a Zeppelin or this particular one. Fantastic. And you find that the front half is written in German and the back half is the same material written in English. Even better. Let's go, so, let's go to the back half. Yeah, you flip to the back half, and the first page that you turn to is the help section. It, it just <laughs> feels right. Ah, troubleshooting. Things do not change. Fantastic. <laughs> Have you turned the airship on and off again? <laughs> Don't do that! Don't do that! <laughs> in, in short, ensure the Zeppelin is on the ground before rebooting. <laughs> <laughs> you find one line of advice that seems particularly pertinent. In case of emergency, communicate closely with your onboard engineer. His direct line can be called by dialing the current year on your internally connected telephone. A pneumatic tube connection system has also been installed throughout the ship in case of telephone failure. Okay, so Hindenburg, I believe you said it was 19, 1937. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's head straight to the phone and dial 1937. Well remembered. You type that in. I love it. It's not a puzzle. It's just a no, gotcha. It's just, <laughs> being, it's just me being mean. Did yeah. you pay attention? But you do that, and Aaron, you hear a ringing coming from the engineer's booth. Cool. What's Linus doing? Is he still just sitting on the floor? Yeah, pretty much just trying to remember. Yeah, I just want to poke him a bit and be like, "Hey, I think your phone's ringing." Ah, ah, um, okay, okay. Uh, He heads straight over to a certain section of his little station in there. I follow him in. Yeah, you're looking for a phone, and uh, you don't see one. In fact, the only thing you actually understand amongst all of his equipment, there's a green button that's labelled emergency backup lights. But the ringing, obviously, not coming from that. And you look over to where Linus is going, where it is coming from. It's not coming from a phone. It's just coming from a speaker that is making a ringing noise like a telephone. Helpful. Mm. Linus reaches it first. He presses a button to switch it on. And Lee, your voice comes through loud and clear. Hello, please, for the love of God, be an engineer. Are you on duty? Linus looks at and says, I mean, I am, but this is one way. I can't <laughs> respond. Hello? Um, yeah, hey, Linus. Linus, is there, is there any way to communicate with them? Look, I've got to um, be 100% honest here. I'm in a pickle. <laughs> so the um, thing is, the thing is going really, really fast. And I understand very little German. Oh no. Um, okay, okay. Uh, Linus just gasps. He runs over to a different part of the station and he spins a few things. He ratchets a lever, turns a wheel, and then instantly you feel a change. And the whole thing has slowed down. Ah, oh, okay. Everything just feels a little bit better. That's, that's <sighs> one problem taken care of. It'd be I... nice if you could. It'd still be nice oh. if you could talk. And... Oh, 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 I haven't felt this relief since I turned off the screamy thing. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, Aaron, you know that, like, you didn't even know the speed was a problem, and you still know that the elevation angle is a little bit of an issue, so you're not entirely relaxed. 
oh, I'm so sorry about all of this. Look, I could, I could feel something was wrong. I just couldn't even tell what. That, oh, it's a good thing we fixed the speed. That could have been a disaster. It's, it's just this, this, the Hindenburg is not built for speed. If you want fast, you, you take an aeroplane. Hold on. What did I just say? Aeroplane. Why have I been thinking about aeroplanes recently? Um, oh, oh, that's it. That's it. That was the password. That was to do with the password. Um, chef gave me some things to hold on to before the flight. Um, said that they were security backups. I've, I've got it. And he goes over. He goes to that spot in his station where you saw that emergency backup light button. And he opens a little hidden compartment under it. And he takes out some things, just a stack of small boards made of wood and he hands them to you, you okay when you say small boards of wood can you be mm-hmm. more descriptive because i they don't are quite know what that like means big coasters okay and each one has an image carved into it okay how many one boards? of them there are four all right what are that one of on them, them has an airplane so obviously that's what jogged his memory that's an airplane for our american audience whatever <laughs> Uh, one of them has a penguin. Penguin. One has a bat, and one has a dragonfly. Bat and a dragonfly, which is a word that will not fit in the tiny box. Oh no! That I have drawn, but that's fine. Uh, all right, great, Linus. Um, what the hell? What What's this supposed to do for me, Linus? What's the I plan? Have, I have no idea. Chef is not very personable. Um, but apparently these have some sort of clue i suppose as to what the password is is there something about them that would lead to a a single word hmm okay well i'm sorry i don't work well under pressure (laughs) this was meant to be the world's safest unsinkable airline you're an engineer linus you're supposed to work well under pressure that's meant to be your job i follow instructions (laughs) uh all right so i mean it can't be as simple as like flying thing because penguins don't fly so it can't be that simple. Meanwhile, I'm just going to be like singing through the phone because I have nothing else to do at this point. <laughs> you have nothing so else close. to do? <laughs> well, well, the plane, well, it slowed down. Like, I can't. Yeah, it's true. Take... You've done your role in the I... saving thing. <laughs> you, think, you think you've saved the Hindenburg. <laughs> and it's not like you can go around searching yes. for Greg at this point. <laughs> I mean, I can't even find a door. So I've just got so... to figure out what this password is then, hey? So, feel free to help with the password, oh, yeah. Lee. Like, yeah. I know you are canonically separated, but you but... can. Yeah. But you're yeah. spiritually together. <laughs> so, plane, penguin, bat, dragonfly. dragonfly. So, all I can think that the only thing that all three of these things, all four of these things, have in common is they have a wing. They have wings. Yeah, that's kind of it. I mean, like we can try. Is there any sign on the keypad that putting in the wrong thing will ruin everything and kill us all? Nope. All right. Can it's we... just a kitchen door. Just a kitchen door. Um, let's try wing, and if that doesn't work, let's try wings plural. You plug in both of those, and nothing happens, and you're really annoyed because that seemed fair. And then <laughs> Linus Linus sighs and says, "Ah, oh, chef doesn't like using English, so he deletes your oh. answer and he puts in his own, which is just the German word for wings." Yeah. And the door clicks open. Hooray! Yes. You now have kitchen access inside. It's very dark, it's very sparse, definitely not in use, and there's no exciting cooking implements to catch your eye or anything. But what you do see is a pneumatic tube attached to one of the walls with a stack of paper and a pen underneath it. Is there anything currently in the tube? 
There is not. And again, you see exactly the same. This looks exactly the same as the image that Lee saw earlier. So you've got this (laughs) pneumatic tube with this image on it and some unlit light bulbs behind the image. Uh, All right. Hey, Linus, do you know how this thing works? I I, I don't really use it myself, um, but I assume you have to move the buttons in the right way to open it. Does it tell you which thanks. way to move the button? Yeah, thanks, Linus. You're you're a real help. Um, this isn't my job. <laughs> I mean, uh, hmm. Well, well with- there was that button in the other room that was for emergency lights. Can I hmm. ask Linus about that? Oh, uh, that's if any of the that's if the lighting on the ship goes down. I can press it, and it activates the backup lights. Okay. Well, can you go press it, please, Linus? Oh. Uh, okay. Fine. Uh, Linus presses it, and. Suddenly, both of you see lights shine from your pneumatics. So this time you will each get slightly different images. Okay. Live video escape rooms. The kind you find while everything's shut down because of COVID. Uh, Escape This Podcast is brought to you this season by Buzzshot. Uh, And Tom from Buzzshot is currently spearheading an initiative. We've talked about it a few times, uh, which is that he's trying to build up a community to develop live video escape rooms and to help people who are developing live video versions of their escape rooms or creating new escape rooms in a sort of live streamed or, 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 or Skyped or Zoomed format to be able to talk to each other and help develop ideas and find out more about what is going on in that field. And so if it's a community that you want to be part of or that you, or there's games that you want to play or there's games that you've been developing that you want feedback on or there's people that you want to talk to about this whole, this whole new way of looking at your games, uh, you should go and check out the website livevideoescaperooms.com and you should check out the Facebook page Live Video Escape Rooms. It's really cool uh, and it's a really wonderful way that, look, he told me not to say this, but it is a wonderful way that Budshot is helping support the industry. So all the links are in the show notes below, so check it out. So for people listening at home, these are also linked below. This is what the uh, pneumatics look like once the lights are on. Uh, You will have two separate images. Would you like to each describe what you can see? Yes. So my one... We've got that D-pad, and then it's lit up. All sides of the little eight symbol are lit up. And there is a lit up letter S on the left side and a lit up letter F on the other side. And mine, the the eight-segment display displays a nine with the, with the S lit up, but the S is at the bottom of the nine rather than in the middle, like in the kitchen. So I'm wondering if the F and the S are, like, if the S is where we are. Okay. Like we have to try and get from one to the other. Um, So if I press the D-pad, what does that do now? It still doesn't look like it does anything. Hmm. So it's almost like the lit up thing at the top is more the instructions rather than an actual gamey thing that the D-pad is controlling. Right. I want to try and figure out what the S and F stand for, because I feel like that would be useful to know. Do you have any ideas? Um... I do not at this point, and mm. I cannot think of my German technical aircraft term sufficiently to be able to figure <laughs> that out. It will. It, it is neither German nor aircrafty. <laughs> it's not like there's an obvious like bridge or kitchen yes. thing. Okay, so the one thing that stayed the same is that the F stayed in the same location in yeah. unlit and lit. 
So yes. for me, being that the S is just to the left of the F, can I just tap the right button and see if that moves it closer or something? You don't notice any change by doing that. Okay. I'm going to just try pressing up nine times. Doesn't seem to work. Oh, of course. Start and finish. So so to unlock mine would be up, left, up, right, down. Your pneumatic opens. (laughs) Ah, okay. Okay, so I guess mine could go down, right, up, left, up right down yours opens as well awesome and look linus basically rushes over when he sees that it's open and he grabs the pen and paper that's sitting underneath it and he writes in large letters pitch needs correcting must be parallel to horizon please fix now and shoves (laughs) it in and sends the message up to the front and lee that arrives in your tube soon (laughs) all right so look at this look at the elevator Mm. Look at this. The look wheel, at the, yep. Look at the horizon. It's called the elevator. It's the it, elevator wheel. It, it <laughs> elevate, elevator wheel, it elevates the aircraft. Makes perfect <laughs> sense when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. All right. So We have lots of Americans listening. We don't want to confuse them. <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a look at all these um, all these instruments. Does, does there anything that looks like an elevation gauge near the elevator or anything like that? Take a look around and it's... It's hard to find anything. For all you know, one of them is doing that and you Mm. just can't tell. But actually, the easiest thing to do, like you said, you looked around at everything, including looking at the horizon. Yes. By looking out there, you can definitely have a good judgment of what your terrible, terrible angle is now that you've been told. You're almost going like a full 45 degrees nose down to the ground at this stage. It must be getting worse. All right, so I have to figure out how to make forty-five degrees out of ten degrees and twenty out of ten and twenty-five. All right, actually, that's that's really easy. All right, so yeah, wouldn't it just do twenty-five twice and then five twice in the Well, there's only there's only ten and twenty-five. Oh, I thought you said so, five. So and it have to have to be ten twice and then twenty-five. Yeah, sorry. So let's so enter you that. You do twenty-five it. twice and then down ten. <laughs> and, and then, then and then, then twenty-five up again <laughs> and then down ten a few more times. Look, we, we can wiggle the ship all we want, but I think let's maybe just try and push it to, like, the, the correct thing. Yeah, let, no, let's, let's, let's just stop. do a loop first. <laughs> <laughs> flip that ship. All the right. blimp wiggler. So uh, you swing the wheel around, two soft pitches, and then one hard pitch. Yep. That hard pitch is, it feels very hard, and you actually hear a bit of a worrisome clunk come from somewhere behind you. But you make the adjustments and you look at the horizon and you see yourself getting back to a horizontal line. And, oh boy, wow, that must have been just in time because you look at the window like properly, you are much closer to the ground than any aircraft has any right to be. (laughs) You are... You are about a Hindenburg off the ground. <laughs> Should I, like, maybe just, like, jank that elevation up another 10 degrees just so we're, we're lifting it a little bit? You can't. It's a little bit of a worry, though, because yeah. you do know that much like with, like, helicopters, if things are not at the angle that it's supposed to be, it can just stuff the entire thing right up. Yeah, fair, fair. Plus, there's also just one extra little tidbit of history that's going to be fun. The fire on the Hindenburg started somewhere around the back. And then at some point, because the back sank, the fire, rising, shot straight up through the center and then straight up to the control gondolery sort of area. 
So pitching up is probably <laughs> actually detrimental. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. That said, um, the height that you're at, I mean, presumably you're supposed to be landing soon. So how bad can it be to be very, very close to the ground? I mean, whatever. Maybe now you can figure out what to do to collectively find this Greg guy now that you've fixed the two most dangerous problems going on. But as you start to think about that and think about how you might get out of here and get on with that, you notice something sounds a little bit different in here. It's it's noisier than it was before. You turn around and, oh, the radio has fallen onto the floor and it's switched itself on. It's making noises now. That must have been the clunk you heard. It, You guess it just needed some percussive maintenance. You didn't try beating it up enough to make it work. <laughs> You turn the volume up, but as you do, you wince. It sounds awful. You can hear that there are words in there somewhere, but it's impossible to make them out behind the distortion of terrible sounds coming out of it. This is not regular interference. Hmm. Ow. Okay. Um, Let's try and turn that volume down a little bit, because I'd like to save my hearing, thanks. Yeah, fair enough. And you can still hear it, but again, the words are still being drowned out by gross noises. All right. So, since we've got sounds coming out of a radio, I remember that we had a ju- had a sound box upstairs. Hmm. Let's see if we- let's see if we can make a. Oh, what what did the professor call it? Like an interference pattern or something? Let's try that. Ah. <laughs> well, actually, yeah. As you sort of you listen to that radio, and you are thinking of that box upstairs. Hmm. The noises do sound kind of similar. There's a scratching, a beeping, and a humming coming from the radio. Hmm. So clearly, those are the things that are causing interference. All right. Let us... So let's go back to Aaron for a bit, and I will figure out what my next move is. Okay, cool. So from my perspective, basically all that's happened is we're now not careening directly at Earth, I believe. Yes, Um, pretty much. Which is good. It is good. How's Linus looking? (laughs) He is looking very pale, very sweaty, like... Oh, this was... I, I haven't had to deal with an actual disaster before. I'm, I'm glad it's over. Oh, I, I, sh- I should know. I, I should have sent, like, a new mode down set with, like, just a thumbs up. <laughs> just an emoji. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just draw out an emoji. <laughs> I appreciate it. We should make this a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand this is very stressful for you, Linus, but um, are, we, are we good now, or is there any something else we need to worry about? Everything feels fine to me. I mean... I, I hope no nothing else goes wrong. Um, yeah, do you do you ex, do you expect something else to go wrong? Is there? Oh no! Something... You know what? Just just chill out. You know what? Okay. You've you've done a great job. Just um, great, take, great. take a few I'll... minutes for yourself. Okay. Yeah, no problem. I mean, I'm still going to you know be here at my booth. Yeah, just good. in case. Good, good, good doing, stuff. You do that. You do that. Doing the routine checks and all of that, but yeah. Oh. <laughs> um. All right. So. Was there, I didn't really look around the kitchen much. Was there anything, I head back to the kitchen and has any, is anything more interesting now the lights are on? There was nothing else that nothing was else? going on okay. there. No, it was purely a room designed to hide a pneumatic in. Really, it could have been a storage closet. Mm. Um, oh, I'll poke my head back around. Hey, Linus, do you know how to get into the luggage compartment? Uh, the door needs to be opened. But again, control takes care of that. Okay. The control panel did not have a luggage. Actually, no, it did not, I don't think. We know that it, it apparently is a pressure-locked one. It's super pressure-locked. 
So I guess the vacuum pressure change and the window lock open could probably assist us on that. However, I still have not figured out which of these buttons do which. Do you remember what else the door said? I didn't. Uh, if if Okay, can we go through that again? Because I apparently didn't like write that down. <laughs> At 5 PSI. To reset, 30 seconds at 4.9, then to rest at 2. Okay, so now that I've done that, I go back to the pneumatic tube and I literally just write all that and put it yep. in a thing. Ah, right, of course. All right, I'm going to shift that down, shift that um throttle. Yeah, that must be what down, that levery yep, thing yep, was for. Yep, down to 4.9 for 30 seconds and then push it down to 2. It feels like an agonizingly slow 30 seconds, but you do it and then you push it down to two. And uh, Aaron, you hear a noise from the luggage room door. Kind of sounds like a jumping castle deflating. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Um, All right. So I try and open the door. You push it. It's still quite an effort to push it, but it lurches open, still making this sucking, deflating noise. And yeah, you push away and you take a look around and um uh yeah linus pokes his head in after you but he doesn't actually come in probably doesn't want to look like he's snooping through other people's bags and <laughs> whereas i have no problem looking like well, that <laughs> yeah the thing is all is in here you've got these huge pile of bags there is uh that tiny slivery window that you take a peek out and hey you can see the bicycle and the gas canisters through it and there is another big window to the outside in here. But again, like all the others, very much sealed. You take a look at some of this luggage. You don't really want to go pouring through it. There is a lot of it here. It just seems like it would upset a lot of people. But you take a quick look at some of the labels on bags, on any of the ones gonna, that have people's names on yeah, them. Yeah, that's what I was going to do. You still, you, you don't see a Greg. This is getting annoying. Meanwhile, back in the front of the uh, hmm. of the cockpit, there's still a radio making irritating noises. Yes, yes. let's take this radio upstairs to the soundboard. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, as I said, the the sounds that were going on were all um, all roughly equivalent to what the radio was making. So, I guess at this point, I'm going to have to try and put my sound design hat on which i hate i hate sound design just, just, just un- understand <laughs> it's okay. yeah, i don't know what i'm talking about it's so okay, just babe. assume a I'm very simple you. solution yeah. yeah so i'm basically going to try and get these levels of the scratch bang whine beep hum and roar to roughly what the radio is at. so you try to make that work and you move them around to try to get those the beep scratch and hum specifically so that they are minimized from the radio. The yeah. others, like, you mess with them and they seem to distort it in different ways, even when you're turning the sounds off. Yeah. But you get rid of those beep, scratch and hum ones enough and it makes those sounds die down from the radio and all of that awful, scratchy, static mess disappears and all that is left is the actual message. LZ-129, this is a warning issued from Frankfurt that evidence was found of hazardous or dangerous equipment in luggage. Please conduct a search of large grey suitcase with orange lining before allowing passenger access. Please be on alert. Warning may indicate presence of hostile passenger on board. Grey suitcase, Ah, Hostile passenger. Maybe it is. Maybe this is Greg. Okay, let's figure out how to stop him. 
So let me just try and put this down on a piece of paper. So basically it's look for gray suitcase, orange lining, may indicate in double quotations, hazardous individual, <laughs> i.e. might be Greg. <laughs> Roll in, chunk. All right. Even from the luggage room, you hear the of the pneumatic in the kitchen. And so you head back out where Linus has been keeping the door open for you. So you head over back to the kitchen. You read that and you just go, oh, crap. And Linus reads it and he goes, oh, crap. And you (laughs) both just rush back to the luggage room. This time, though, Linus has come in with you and... Therefore, the door swings shut behind you. I knew you. this was going to happen. God damn it. <laughs> you trusted him. Oh, dear. Um, these pressure locks undergo a long reset every time they close. Uh, it'll be well, probably at least 20 minutes until we can open this again. All right. <sighs> I mean, well, good thing you may have stopped the crash uh, or might still be stopping the crash. Hazardous stuff doesn't sound very good. You know, let us... You have not been that helpful today. <laughs> this is not a normal work day. <laughs> I guess we start looking for a suitcase that matches this description. Cool. You start sweeping bags aside and find it. And luckily, grey with sort of orange lining it isn't the most common luggage colour. So you find the one you want. You pull it open. And yeah, okay. Sitting right on top of a pile of clothes, there's a handgun. Mm. Which isn't great, especially because one of the uh, possible conspiracy theories regarding how the Hindenburg crashed was someone shooting a gun at the wrong place, causing all of the sparking and fire and all of that sort of business. Um, I take the gun. Yeah. Linus just looks appalled and he goes, oh, items like that are certainly not allowed freely in someone's suitcase. That message must have been right. Someone is trying to hurt this ship. And, well, okay, I mean, maybe if someone was trying to sneak back here, maybe it was Greg trying to sneak back here, fire a gun, and set off the Hindenburg fire. By being here, But then he would gun. die. <laughs> well, you don't know the powers that Greg possesses. I suppose, yeah. We um, have time he, watchers. <laughs> exactly. He probably had a better time watch. That's fair. Probably a Seiko. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great, though. You've... You may have just stopped the Hindenburg. That's the is, Hindenburg fire. That's, is there that's anything else in the suitcase, though? Clothes. It looked like very normal stuff, like surprisingly normal. I mean, you're feeling pretty good. You're feeling kind of heroic. Probably you still haven't found this Greg guy, which was kind of your whole point of coming here. But if you can stop the Hindenburg going down, I mean, that might be better. Mm. Linus, Linus. Looks a little bit bothered and he goes, oh, what should I do with this gun? I should confiscate it, but I don't want to take it out to the main body of the ship and we're stuck in here, so isn't really anything I can... And then suddenly you hear a loud boom come from somewhere outside. Right, right. Lee, you hear it too, although it sounds much further away and both of you feel the floor rock under your feet. Oh, well, that is not good. What was that? Linus says. Linus, you should have stayed in your booth. <laughs> oh, what was that? <laughs> You have a feeling that you might already know, and both of you glance out your windows, and Aaron, you see a bright shower of flame and sparks cascade down the side, not that far from you. Mm. This gun, whatever it was doing here, is not the cause of the Hindenburg fire. Something else did it. This is 
This is why it's still apparently a mystery in our time. Lightning, someone smoking, some other deliberate sabotage. Maybe the gun was just a decoy and something else is going on. It's not always that easy to figure out, even when you are right there in the moment. And now a fire is actually happening. You have run out of time. You look at your magic time travel watch desperately, but it does not come to your rescue. You look out the tiny window into the back of the ship and you can see the fire starting to spread from one of the upper corners, already tearing small holes through the exterior. And you're trapped in this tiny room right next to this focal point. Linus looks pale and terrified, but for the first time, a little bit of determination is in his eye. Okay. Okay, uh, we can we can handle this. Um, if we open the windows, the real windows, the fire won't be able to catch us on all sides. We might be able to survive this until we get down. Um, we just need a way to tell the control gondola uh, to open the windows. There are buttons, but oh, there are also buttons that eject fuel. So if it's not the captains who are controlling it right now oh, also we don't want linus that. We, we need to get out of the luggage room that that too that would be most helpful um okay wait wait a second okay i i've got a bit of a wild idea okay so i know in the control panel there are buttons some of them open the windows that will be the best possible thing for mitigating this we might be able to get the ship down to the ground but some of them control other things like like the fuel we don't want to release fuel that'll make everything much worse some of them control the gas cells here now obviously we don't necessarily want them released but the fire is going to hit them soon if we can selectively damage those cells an alert gets sent to the gondola and i think that might help them narrow down how to work the windows if we can just damage those gas canisters <laughs> before the fire disconnects them from the system, we might be okay. I don't even know how we would attempt to protect ourselves, but I guess we try to shoot out the little window mm -hmm. first. Yeah, well, actually, first, you can see the gas cylinders through that little window. I was going to say, is the gun actually loaded? <laughs> you check that and you see uh, three bullets in it. Three. Okay, cool. Um, now, there are five gas cells, so... But we only, have to pick which three. We only have to damage one, don't we? To what send to the say? alarm. I mean, who knows? You don't know what sort of form this alarm or alert is going to take. So, Hey, Linus, how many canisters have to get damaged before it sends an alert? Uh, well, I, I believe that each canister has its own b uh, button attached to, uh, like, attached to it. So I suppose as, as many, many as, as possible. possible. I mean, I just take a shot at the, the one that is the most... Clear shot, whichever one. All right, is. so that's probably the one right in the center, probably the third one. Mm -hmm. So you shoot that, and Lee, one of the buttons lights up on the button panel. Which oh. other two do you shoot? I'm going to shoot one and five. Okay, so two more horror red warning lights light up, Lee, on that panel. And you take a look. And if you are going from the top left, the ones that have lit up are the seventh button, the 18th button, and the fifth button. The 18th one was the first one that lit up in out of the ones that... Can, can, we, do, can we do lines and positions? That's going to be much easier for me. So that would be the second button on the second row? Yep. 
the uh, and five, so the final button on the first row. Yep. And also the second button of the second to last row. So the fourth row, second button. So line four, position two. Got it. Yeah. That was the first one. Welcome, gentlemen, hmm. to the puzzle. Yeah, so, okay, those are apparently some of the buttons that deal with gas, but that's not what you want. And by now you can see flames outside yeah. creeping closer. And, yeah, you also get the impression that maybe... What you need right now is to open those windows because right. you're, feeling, you're feeling very claustrophobic right now. But yeah, how does this help you figure out which buttons activate windows? I, I, I am at a loss. Like, you're on your own here, Lee, because I have no idea <laughs> how I would even approach this. Let's, make, let's just do the silly thing. Let's just press um, button five first up. So you know... Based, uh, like based on what's going on and based yeah. on the alarm that is happening, yeah. that this is a gas button. Right. So you can release that, but actually the damage that is happening to it means that not much is going to happen because gas is sort of slowly leaking. And, well, it may make the fire worse uh, in a slow, slow way. All right. Um, I'm just going to reread the manual. Is there any explanation of this panel whatsoever? Uh, it tells you that the various button panels control the various things and to make sure that you have familiarized yourself with which buttons do what. <laughs> but it's okay, because there are ways of figuring these things out. Okay. So the three, so the things we can do is gas containment release, internal and external, vacuum pressure change, which we've already isolated as the um, yeah, throttle, throttle so we one. can cut that out. Mm-hmm. Window lock and fuel drop. Window lock open and fuel drop. Yeah, now fuel drop you especially want to avoid because you don't know where that would drop from and if that goes straight into the fire, mm, that's just yeah. going to feed it in unfun ways. All right, so what we know about the buttons is that um, the buttons light up when the relevant gas bag is damaged. We know that mm -hmm. no, we know that only some of these release the gas the gas bags. I was going to say, do we know that, like, are all of these the same thing? Like, do they all serve the same function? No, we are quite certain okay. of that because there's, like, there's at least three different functions of these. Okay. So we at least know that. All right. So 5, 8, 17. There's no... There's 5, 7, 18. 5, five 7, 18. Um, so two of them are prime, one of them isn't, so that's not useful. I mean, for me, the only, like, there's not even a real pattern to the lighting up. Like, we've got two of them in the second position, but then another one is right at the end, so there's no pattern in the yeah. spatial. And yet there must, thing. and yet there was clearly a very specific reason that it was those ones. Yeah. yeah. So the pattern that they make doesn't make any sort of real. Yeah, like, there doesn't seem to be a visual pattern to it that no. I can tell. Are, and there's no other lights that are lit up or broken or anything no. like that. No. So we're all right. So we're looking at a a panel of buttons. So there's um, a different numbers of buttons yep. as well. There's twenty six. There's twenty six buttons. Um, twenty six. This isn't letters of alphabet stuff, is it? I don't know. No. What do you mean? <laughs> So, <laughs> Wait, even if it is, how's that useful? I don't understand. I mean, we can try it, I'm, I'm, but... G, A, D, E, S. So, E, G, and R. 
any reasonable correspondences in those. One's a vowel to a consonants. What's the labels of things again? Does that matter? Like, is there a, um, no, they don't match up. I was thinking maybe they would match up somehow, but they don't really. Match up to what? Um, to the labels, like, on the on the uh, thing, like, you know. No, unsurprisingly, the labels are all smushed together in the least useful fashion. Yeah, but I was thinking if, if like, if E, if, if there were, like, three options that started with E and yeah. G and R, then that would be somewhere mm. to start, but... That is not really the case. So, do you see those letters on the pa- on, on those labels? Ah, okay, yes. So, e e external g gas r uh, release. So, what's w? W twenty three. W would be bottom row third in. Yep. All right. Let's press line five, position three. Then. Okay. It lights up. But nothing happens just yet. It lights up in a good way. <laughs> All right. So that means we have to figure out what where O is. Okay. Window open. Uh, here it is. So O is line, uh, three, line three, position four. four. Yeah. Line three, position four. All right. You press that one and you hear a loud mechanical whirring noise and the windows on either side of the control gondola start sliding open. And Aaron, in the luggage room, the big window on your side is opening too. Oh, and wonderful. <laughs> You hear the the noise is quite loud. You get the feeling maybe this is happening all throughout the ship and you have opened up all the windows. It's a little hard to keep your balance. You are very close to the ground. I was going to say, is there something I can grab a hold on so I do not fall out? There doesn't seem to be. Put your brakes on. (laughs) Put put the brakes on. (laughs) They're not that good, unfortunately. Um but yeah, you can see down, you can see some people starting to run around on the ground in a bit of a panic. Again, quite close. It's not like you're looking at pinprick people here. I am no, going to corral Linus up to as close inwards as we can go, even if there's nothing to hold on to. You do so, and as you do, you accidentally brush against the wall, and the wall is hot, like mm. scaldingly, horribly hot. And you realize this fire has now gotten in. It, you take a look out your tiny window and you see the gas cells that you did not shoot are exploding now. This fire is going to hit you at any second. So how much and explosions have I heard at this point? You are hearing and feeling all of this. Okay. And all um, you have now is your open windows. Linus, are there any bloody parachutes around? He grabs as many pieces of soft-looking clothing from oh the suitcases my God, Linus. and just starts throwing them out. So I've realized if there's nothing else I can do, I'm going to take a big running leap and jump. Linus, after throwing all of his stuff, he looks really terrified, but he does the same. Aaron, it's all you. All right, I very coolly drive my wheelchair off into nothingness and... Forwards or backwards? Down. Definitely backwards, because I want to be the most cool... Like, imagine that I'm putting sunglasses on while I do this. The hard ground is still many metres away, but you're out of time. The fire has consumed the cloth exterior of the airship. So you take your one last slightly smoke-filled breath and you guys drop. Concrete rushes up to meet you, not even giving you a chance to decide on your cool landing pose. (laughs) Except for you, Aaron, you already had this figured out. (laughs) That said, it doesn't make much of a difference. No. <laughs> you splat, you crumple, 
all of your body feels like it just smushes at once. It's the worst kind of belly flop or back flop. It's, <laughs> it's horrible. And you just lie there, curled Ow. up in agony for a while. You can see, actually, while you're there on the ground, you're definitely not the only ones doing this. Between you and the blazing wreck of the Hindenburg that is just hitting the ground some distance away, there are dozens of former passengers and crew lying on the ground, wailing. And Aaron, you spot Linus. Half of his clothing has been charred to a crisp. He must have caught some flame on the way down. And when he sees you, he coughs and says, Oh, that I, I almost couldn't do it, jumping from... Oh, that was, that was terrifying. Yeah, thank, adrenaline thank God, does a lot. <laughs> thank God you were here to inspire me, I guess. Oh, thank God the, don't thank God call the a disabled person inspirational, Linus. It's very <laughs> offensive. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> very good. I love it. Love it. Beautiful. Oh, I'm so sorry. But thank God the window opened when I it did. I thought you were a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> thank God I'll be able to go and see my family again after all of this. Just, oh. Thank everything for everything. And he gives a contented, wheezing sigh and rolls into a more comfortable position, presumably waiting along with everyone else for some proper help. Just to have a nap. Yeah. Just a little post-disaster nap. Exactly. Yeah. By now, air officials are swarming the area, so it shouldn't be long until ambulances follow. Hey, hey, here's a fun you... question. In, in, in the sort of war, wartime field that we're seeing around here, how many tall, scruffy men are there? It's awfully hard to see, and you know what? Based on the like burniness that is going around, a lot of people are looking extra scruffy. Mm. So, yeah, you're looking around. There might be a Greg somewhere, but for all you know, he was one of the ones that didn't make it out. This and is... also, we're not in the position to go chasing people right now. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, also, right now is when your watches start beeping. And, oh, come on, you, you don't have the strength to get yourself to a hiding spot. You'll just have to hope anyone who sees you now thinks that they're hallucinating from the trauma after yeah. you. I, I, yeah. I just sort of yell at the watch in pain. It's like, really? Now? Not five <laughs> minutes ago? Now? <laughs> but you know what? After all you've been through, disappearing into that time vortex actually feels pretty good. Less like a roller coaster and more like a gentle tumble dry. And you spin around gently in that void for a few moments before you tumble out of the time machine onto the laboratory floor. Except things do not look the way they did when you left. Before, Doc Bill's lab was bright, white, and sterile, but now it's dimly lit, windowless, almost secretive? The computer's in a different place. In fact, that is definitely a different computer. Um, actually... Everything is different, and neither Doc Bill nor your new classmates are here. Instead, there are three people you don't recognize. They look like they're in their mid to late 20s. One's a young man with bedraggled, dare you say, scruffy hair and clothes, and he looks like he hasn't slept in days. The other two are dressed very sensibly, and they look utterly perplexed. The scruffy one is facing them, not you. He does not seem to have noticed you. And he is saying to them, This may be hard to believe, but we, you, are living in the wrong timeline. <laughs>